Hello, this is the Ascension Cast, and this is the Matthew Project. I'm Jarrett Blue. I'm Alexander Thomas. I'm Robbie Lockett. Hello. 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 How are you guys? I am well. How are you? Good. Doing very well. So in this episode, we're really seeing... Jesus, I guess you just like say his mission is like unfolding at this time. We're seeing um, the Sermon on the Mount, and then we also are being presented with the Beatitudes. Um, and so I know, Alexander, you had some interesting points with the Sermon on the Mount. So maybe you want to yeah, take yeah. it that way. Well, so as we talked about in our first episode, the Gospel of Matthew is broken down primarily organized into five different sermons or five different discourses. And so the Sermon on the Mount is not only the most popular, um, but it's the first one. Um, and one of the reasons that it is the most popular is because it's all about practical Christian living. And so uh, one way of kind of looking at Matthew is it's a large gospel about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven and so the Sermon on the Mount serves as an entrance into the kingdom of heaven or an entrance into um, how you join or become part of this kingdom of God. And it's describing um, the lives of those that are participating in the kingdom of God. And so um, most people, if they think of Matthew, uh, they're going to think of something in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, at least for the content of like what Jesus is teaching. And it's just a great sermon of Jesus about how to be a good Christian and describing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, Robbie, take us away for what's uh, what makes up the Sermon on the Mount. Well, there's a few themes here. This is, uh, to, to me, is sort of the second sort of a striking kind of all ears moment in Matthew, the first being the genealogy itself where if somebody comes up and proclaims this to a first century audience, they're going to, one, be a lot more into this whole notion of genealogy than we are, and also <laughs> the specific people that get tossed out, they're all going to be pretty much thinking, what in the world are we about to hear? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this is, I, I almost think Matthew got that idea from, uh, from Jesus here, the way he begins with the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he immediately places himself in the context of of Moses in particular, but in a, a lot of the Old Testament in general. Uh, you know, he goes up on the mountain uh, just like Moses went up, and when Moses came back down, he gave law. And so, all throughout this sermon, we're going to see Jesus presenting himself as lawgiver and presenting himself as prophet. He's uh, he's fulfilling things, and right from the very first word of, you know, he goes up and he's on the mountain, he sits down and he opens his mouth and he says, blessed are they. And that would call to mind immediately uh, Psalm 1, which opens up, blessed is the man. Uh, and that leads, you know, that's kind of that liturgical entrance into <laughs> Uh, Judaism, really, for for his audience, that they would have been very used to hearing that, and it would have immediately called to mind this notion of the two ways, the mm-hmm. the the way of righteousness and the way of wickedness. And I think that's a, a good frame for where Jesus goes. He shows us the, this kind of 
here are the things that you can do. Uh, like you were saying, it's very practical. It's you, you can do these things, uh, and it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, just like in the genealogy where um, all sorts of people from a couple of Israel's greatest kings all the way to a group of uh, you know prostitutes and whoever else were in in that line and then Jesus comes out and says blessed are are they and you got to figure he's going to list some kings and stuff but instead <laughs> it's the poor in spirit and it's the the ones who mourn and and all of that kind of thing and so whoever you are you can do these things hmm. Robbie I'm going to cut in cuz you you have this in your notes uh, hmm. that you can't see but I can see your notes <laughs> uh, so in Psalm 1 which is again for all Jews memorize all the Psalms, but in particular Psalm 1, in the Septuagint, it starts with the same, the same Makarios, blessed is the man or blessed are those, which is the same way it starts off, which I didn't realize before is the same Greek mm-hmm. word, but I like how you have it, the outline, the, the way of blessing and the way of wickedness. Yeah. And so here we're seeing what that way of blessing is. Yeah, and it surprises you, because you would think those in God's kingdom, like usually a king surrounds himself with big military leaders and rich people, or powerful people, or greedy people, and it's the exact opposite. So it kind of flips up your expectations upside down. And I guess with the Sermon on the Mount that we're kind of seeing more like the practical side of, of, the, of the faith, uh, you know, what it means to follow Jesus, and that becomes most evident in chapter 5 as we look at the Beatitudes. So here... You know, Jesus is turning the system as, you know, those that are listening to him, you know, on their head and what they've, uh, their understanding of how do you obtain or, you know, get access or, you know, however you get to this eternal Mm -hmm. life. Um, And the Beatitudes, which I think many of our listeners are familiar with, and we as all here as well are familiar with, um, you know, are, you know, very common things like, you know, blessed are those that, you know, are meek and hard, blessed are the poor. Um, but there, this is not unique to Matthew. This is also shows, shows up in Luke chapter six, um, t- verses 20 through 23, um, which I feel like is important that it is good that it's found not only in Matthew, but also in Luke, um, just because it reemphasizes just the importance <laughs> that that was to Jesus and to his um, teachings. I love the ones in Luke because they, yeah. they don't just have blesseds, they have the woes. <laughs> and they, they get a lot more practical, too. These seem more spiritual. The others are Right. And yeah. so, like, the Beatitudes present a new set of ideas focused on love and humility instead of force and exaction, uh, which is thoughts of the Pharisees, which I think is often two thoughts of, like, when you think of the Old Testament, or at least I do, I think of the Old Testament of just, like, this forceful, um, you know, you need to do what I say kind of God versus, you know, the new Testament. I feel like you're really presented more like with the loving compassion and God. Mm. But of course there are things that you need to do to obtain um, this eternal life. Um, but you know, one thing that, you know, as we were preparing, I found with the Beatitudes, you know, of course they are um, just like good life practices, even if you weren't a Christian, just of like how you should treat others <laughs> or just to go about governing yourself. But the Beatitudes have had an impact beyond just the Christian faith. Um, Gandhi um, praised the Beatitudes um, and noted that Christ's Sermon on the Mount um, fills me with a bliss and even today is sweet verses have even today have the power to quench my agony of soul. Oh. So I think it's just fascinating that, you know, 
these teachings that obviously they resonate very much with us as Christians, it also resonates with those outside of the Christian faith as well, which I think just further shows the importance of the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. um, but as you know, we prepared, I had posed the question to the guys, like, what is your favorite um, Beatitude? And, um, you know, I guess like there are some that are clearly outlined in five, but we all identify the <laughs> do not worry. Which isn't even a which beatitude. Which is not a beatitude, <laughs> is which, which is funny and like, worth noting. But um, I guess jumping to the, the beatitude is, um, you know, that they're found at the beginning of chapter five. Is there one in particular that stands out to you? Uh, of the actual beatitudes. The actual beatitudes. The start. Well, I feel like the first part that stands out to me is the whole idea of blessed, which is where beatitude comes from is Latin. Um, but I'm just going to read my paragraph of, of notes that I have on, on the word blessed. So um, it, the word can also be translated as happy. Happy are those or blessed are those. But that Greek word is makarios. And, and I, I love the idea behind the word because it, its rooted word isn't in being happy. It's actually in something extending or elongating. And so in the way like just the word is structured is God's extending God's own grace or happiness to us um, and through these like particular circumstances. And so I, I love this idea that um, not only is here a list of things that I can do that help me experience God's own grace and, and presence, but people that are going through these things like sadness or hungering for God, like they are also like God is going to grace them with God's own, like, you know, blessedness. So I think the one that sticks out the most to me for all of them is the idea of peacemakers. Um, and the way, like I've always thought about peacemakers is there's a, there's a difference in a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. And so like sometimes my tendency in conflict is to kind of run away from conflict and that's to like keep the peace, but that's not always actually making peace. And so sometimes for making peace, you have to be kind of disruptive. Um, and it, ha it is braver to be a peacemaker uh, than a peacekeeper. So that, that's one beatitude I always try to hold on to. I think for me, the one that jumps out is that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It makes me think of Amos and the righteousness cascading down like the, like the waters, you know, that, um, you know, it still sticks with me. I think we talked about it uh, in the last episode a little bit of just what in the world is going on there with Herod and the whole slaughter of the innocents. Mm -hmm. And, I, I hope that that doesn't sit well with most people that yeah. you're just like, Oh, fine. That's cool. Um, but you know, to see something like that or just all of the things day to day that, that you run across and you see it and you think, no, no, no. How can that be? And just that blessedness of mm -hmm. knowing that, that thirst for righteousness will in the end, at least be satisfied I think that's very comforting to me. Mm. Um, and I think for me, it probably would be um, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Um, and I guess I've, you know, over the, I feel like last, you know, couple of years have lost those, some people that have been very close to me. And, you know, you have those, you know, 
kind of higher conversations with others mm-hmm. of just like about death and like what that is and um, you know, obviously you understand the physical side of it, but I feel, you know, one thing that has come out of those conversations is that, you know, death is something that you never can prepare for. Um, yeah. and I think that for a lot of things in life, you know, you can prepare for a birth, you can prepare for like a wedding or, you know, some of these different transitions, but I think it's, um, you know, good to know that, um, you know, that we can always turn to God for comfort. Um, and I think so oftentimes it seems like, you know, people don't know what to say, but, you know, God always does. And he, mm. he speaks in whatever form that can take, you know, whether through, you know, through a word or through individuals. Mm. Um, I like that. Yeah. But I think one thing we should get back to, even though it was not like answering the question <laughs> for none of us, like, you know, why did everyone um, latch on to the do not worry um, section oh, in Matthew? Like what stood I like that. So it's Matthew six twenty five. So that's another part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so I, I think what I love the most about it, and particularly like us as an American culture, like the idea of success, which is true, not just, I mean, for anyone, is you're self-sufficient. And so like the whole, to me, what this passage speaks about is it is not my job to make myself independent of needing anyone else uh, or of needing help or of you know like it's good to have be set up for a rainy day but you don't need a rainy century (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know ultimately my my security shouldn't be like when I check my bank account or whatever it should be when I trust in God and I know that's been true like for most times in my life when when we've had moments of need it's not my own planning that has ever rescued me it has always been like the people of God or others that have been there to help. And so like when we lost our house last year, that was completely unexpected. You know, there was people from this church that bought us a hotel room to stay in that night. All of the clergy showed up that next week to help us pack up or move the U-Haul that I was too scared to move. <laughs> or, um, you all so like, scared. <laughs> yeah. Or, and there was like strangers that showed up at our house that night. Cause we had a few hours to move everything out before the storms came and destroyed everything. Cause the roof was gone. Like, you know, I, I've had all these other moments and, and that few months span of being homeless became like one of my most like restoring and hopeful moments. It was a moment like I truly experienced that blessedness uh, because of others. And so for me, that's what the do not worry. Like I can never plan for another roof to crash in on our house, but I can plan uh, to be connected in the people of God that will be there for me. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what it means to me. Yeah, you know, I think and I can lay some old claim to this. I actually built a. Uh, valedictory address in high school <laughs> around Matthew six twenty five that passage. You, was um, it a Christian school? It was not. Oh wow! I okay. didn't. Ex- <laughs> I didn't explicitly reference it. Had to go through the whole vetting process, and it's like you know you can't tell people not to cite great literature, right? And <laughs> uh, in, in, in this is some great literature. It was not Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. You know. I can go work myself to death to, to try to make everything just right and make myself look great and, uh, uh, yeah, put away that rainy century fund or whatever. Um, but then I can go out and look at the flowers that just popped up. 
<laughs> you know, despite my best efforts, some of them we call weeds around here, and despite my best efforts <laughs> to keep them from coming, there they are, and I can't do as well as they do. So uh, it's again, it's just that comfort. Mm. What about you, Robbie or uh, Jared? Yeah, um, I think for myself, I I just like many have the tendency to worry about things, whether you know professionally or personally and oftentimes you know all that worrying doesn't do me any good um you know i think that i can look back to times like in high school you know where like oh am i going to get into college or you know is the bar exam going to work out or you know like these things that in the bigger picture you know it's like not a big deal when they do work out then you have that freedom and you're like oh man like it it probably would have worked out anyways and you know, so I guess I've always adopted or have tried to adopt the mindset of, you know, like pray like it all depends on God and, you know, worry like it or not worry, but work as it all depends on me. And so, like, you know, give it to God and do what I can on my end. But like, I don't need to have it be all consuming. Um, mm. I had lunch with a friend earlier this week and, you know, this came up, you know, not directly, but just his spiritual walk. And he, you know, said like, oh man, like I was in my Sunday school class and I was just getting so frustrated people saying like, you know, like, I hope this works out. I hope that works out and blah, blah, blah. I need to do this. But, but I gave it to God and it's like, well, did you really give it to God? Because you're like worried, <laughs> like the, you're still talking, like you're very worried about this. Um, so I think we all need like a, a good, healthy, um, you know, level of concern and that mm. probably makes it sometimes work um, more efficiently I know I work a little bit better under pressure um, but really? you know I do think that it's you know you know you shouldn't worry and I think that I find comfort in that yeah. passage from that well I love hearing all of our personal thoughts that's special this, I, I love the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount it brings out such rich conversations um, I think there's other conversations that come up when you read the Sermon on the Mount which is why does Jesus reference all these things about like fasting or uh, tithing or uh, you know whatever else all these other parts? Um, and that's because most of the Sermon on the Mount it's comparing the the law and the prophets uh, or the teaching from the law. And so Jesus repeats this adage: "You have heard that it is said, but I tell you." Um, and that was a common way for um, a rabbi to teach. And so they all are reading the same Old Testament Bible, like they're reading the same Bible but they all interpret it in new ways. And so what was really special about Jesus's teaching is um, twofold. One, he is a lot easier with some of the expectations, um, but he also dives deeper into a heartfelt. And so that's why we will talk a lot about like living according to the spirit of the law versus uh, the letter of the law. And so um, some of these, like Jesus drives farther about anger isn't just mean murdering someone physically, but anger in your heart is like murdering them. Or lust isn't just, you know, committing an act with someone. It's that thing that's in your heart um, and, and goes on and on. Um, but what's also really cool about the Sermon on the Mount, it's set off in this pattern, a, a chiasm, about the Law and the Prophets. And in the middle is this beautiful Lord's Prayer, which I know Ravi had a long segment of stuff to share with us about the Lord's Prayer. Well, you know, I think... One of the interesting things about the Lord's Prayer is, you know, we memorize it and we we recite it and uh, we sort of miss uh, kind of the underlying thing of what all is going on there where we're addressing, one, Jesus is inviting us to address God as our Father, which is 
sort of new in the history of this kind of you know Abrahamic tradition. We, you, you don't walk up to God that casually. <laughs> you don't walk up to God that intimately. You you know the Jews would talk about their father Abraham or something like that, but they would talk about God Almighty, Lord of Hosts, those kinds of things. They wouldn't even say His name. And so, for Jesus to invite us to address Him as our Father, I think is um, another one of these places where we see this kingdom of heaven. It's going to be something very different than probably what anybody expected. And you know that invitation for the kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth and heaven, all of those sorts of things are, uh, again, really, we say those, we recite them, we forget them. And those are pretty big asks. And uh, (laughs) there's that implication that you do that, let me be a part of that and let me be an instrument in that. But I do want to point out one word that's in here. We, We say, give us this day our daily bread. And the word daily uh, is a Greek word, epiousios, uh, and that is a combination word. In it, it, epiousios on its own means like for tomorrow, for the future, uh, you know, give us tomorrow's things today. Um, but uh, in the context of Jesus being on the mount and reminding everybody so strongly of Moses, what we see with tomorrow's bread today is manna falling from heaven overnight to be gathered in the morning, enough for that day and no more. You couldn't store it and you couldn't keep it. You got your daily manna every day and it came from heaven. But there's another way of taking that word if you split it apart etymologically, which is always a dangerous way to figure out what a word means. <laughs> but uh, let's do it for the fun of it because it works out well. We did it with Beatitudes. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That uh, epi is sort of the prefix and usios is the kind of the base of the word mm-hmm. there. And epi is a multi-use prefix in Greece, Greek. It can mean um, across or over or in, it can mean a lot of things of those sort of prepositional ideas. And you see it get translated in Latin. uh, When they mean across, they'll say trans. When they mean over, it's super. Uh, And that's in fact what um, Jerome goes with in the Vulgate here. Usios, on the other hand, is essence or being or substance. And so we could say that this is you know, an essence that goes across or a substance, um, maybe even a transubstantial bread um, <laughs> if we <laughs> wanted to open a particular can of worms. But this, what Jerome ends up settling on is super substantialum, uh, which in the Douay Reims, the, the early Catholic English translation of the Vulgate, they didn't really translate that. They just dropped off the Latin ending, and they said super substantial bread. And so what we're asking for there is give us each day this bread that's more real than all the other bread, this sort of bread of heaven. And I don't know where we could find hints at what the bread of heaven might mean to Jesus. Uh, maybe we're in, looking in Matthew 6. Maybe if we looked at John 6, no, we'd get an saying, answer. Yeah, go, go to John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where Jesus is offering himself as this sort of super substantial, this realer than real bread that, that if you eat of it, you will never hunger again. 
And I think that is the invitation, not only, you know, do we get to call God our Father, but that we get to ask Him, and, and we know that He will feed us with, uh, what is it in the right one service, uh, feed us with the spiritual food of, uh, of the body and blood of Christ, of that bread of heaven. Well, thank you for listening to the Math Ascension Cast as our Matthew project. You are always welcome to join us here at Church of the Ascension on Sunday mornings as we read through Scripture together. And peace and blessings. Peace. peace.